When you look at an average online giving form, it's actually 100 years old. It's based on putting a piece of direct mail paper onto an online form. It's taking an anachronism and putting it into a new age, and it doesn't fit well. Hello, friends. I'm Allison Fine, and this is the What's the Big Idea podcast for the Chronicle of Philanthropy. Joining me every month are really smart people with new and interesting ways of looking at life and work. Well, it's the fourth quarter again, the fourth quarter of the year, that is, when everyone is focused on year-end giving. Just like baseball has Moneyball, nonprofits are increasingly focused on metrics for improving fundraising. There's a growing science to online giving that has very clear and measurable results. Joining me today is Richard Levy of Give Together to talk about the science of giving, what we know, and what you can do to improve your giving results right now. So now we're joined by Rich. Rich, thank you so much for giving us your time today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. I know that you've studied the science of giving for quite a long time. Are there any new insights uh, into that area that you would want to share with us this morning? There sure are, Allison. Um, what I'm going to bring into the discussion today is a 10-year pure research project uh, by the, the person who heads up the experimental labs at Berkeley, California. And those 10 years of research were all about what makes people give online. And uh, we're going to share some of the key insights, two or three key insights that are making a huge difference today for nonprofits in how successful they are in converting their online visitors into donors. So let's, let's start there because I know that's a huge challenge for nonprofits is um, that conversion, that just gathering up friends isn't enough, but you need to convert them to doers and donors. Tell us a little bit about what the challenges and what the opportunities are there. Well, that is the nub of the problem. So if we want to take a start at the top of the funnel, the conversion funnel, and talk about the average success rates that nonprofits have for converting visitors into donors, it really is historically um, not very exciting, right? We're talking about a 1% average conversion rate for all kinds of direct response vehicles. So those include the traditional direct mail channels as well as the newer online channels like email, uh, etc. And uh, the, the problems really are um, because there are a lot of headwinds that nonprofits have in creating world-class campaigns um, they tend to be very time-consuming, uh, very labor-intensive, very costly, and after all of that's done, they only get a 1% response rate. So um, what the research has indicated is that, unfortunately, the current ways that people ask for money online are very inefficient in converting folks into donors. And what I mean by that, Allison, is that on you know the way that folks typically purpose an online giving page is a 10 or 20 or 30 field fill-in-the-blank donation form. Mm -hmm. And the average completion rate for that is very low. It's very uninspiring. Uh, and what this uh, in, what these insights have said is that if the nonprofit can make that um, transaction 
much more streamlined and much faster, right? They will convert a higher percentage of people. And, and on top of that, if they can emotionally engage the donor in the great work that they're doing, in other words, make the donor feel like their gift is making a difference in the life of a child or a family or an animal, uh, whatever the, the uh, nonprofit's work is, um, they will be much more successful in converting them. And we found that the combination of those two techniques, shortening the, uh, the process and making it much more emotionally engaging, the combination of those two things, Allison, is tripling the conversion rates for nonprofits that are doing those two things. So can you tell us a, a specific nonprofit that does this well, Rich? Sure. So we could take, for instance, um, the BC SPCA. So this is a, a um, medium-sized organization. Uh, they have about 15,000 emails on their email list. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, they use the fill in the blank form, you know, the traditional kind of donation form for their year end appeal uh, right up to 2011. Uh, and then they tried these new techniques that are much faster and much more engaging from an online perspective. And in 2012, they sent out the same four emails in December to the same sized email list of 15,000. And they raised 10 times more money, Allison. Um, and, and they grew their list um, by several thousand people. So um, the process itself works. It's actually the techniques that I'm talking about have been used so far in 1,200 campaigns. And on average, on average, the results have been three times as much money raised by substituting a simpler donation process and a more engaging donation process. You know, one of the things I always find confounding is how how hard it is for nonprofits to get to simplicity, right? <laughs> it's just unbelievable that every time they see an opportunity to collect data, they want to collect all of it. How how do you how do you get past some of those default settings that they have? Well, uh, it's actually pretty easy. So um, the real challenge is the status quo, Allison. And what I mean by that is it's just the way that everybody has evolved to, to this point in time. And when you look at an average online giving form, it's actually 100 years old. It's based on putting a piece of direct mail, paper, onto an online form, okay? <laughs> so it's taking, it's taking an anachronism and putting it into a new age, and it doesn't fit well, right? So asking somebody to fill out 30 or 40 fields of information wears them out. And it certainly is not going to get anybody under the age of 45 to make a gift. So the way that we um, actually help people is to show them the new technique, right, where you can actually get the donor uh, to commit to the gift with one click, Allison, instead of 30 or 40 fields of information. And there is this amazing visual presentation, which I will try and paint a word picture for, mm -hmm. <laughs> where the donor actually visually sees the, a picture of the, the image before the donor makes the gift. And then that morphs into a picture of the condition after the, the donor makes the gift. So oh, isn't that clever? So you get a real <clears throat> feeling of before and after. Because I was going to ask you, you know, the ASPCA has puppies, <clears throat> right? We'd all love to be fundraising around puppies. What if you don't have puppies, right? What if you've got housing or um, mental health? What do you do? 
Well, that's the really cool part. So this visual metaphor that I'm trying to describe, um, you know, uh, in the recording here is an amazing um, device, right? So what the donor sees, and, and this actually tells the story, and everybody knows this from a fundraising perspective, they know that the better job that they do of having the donor feel like their gift is making the difference in the life of a child or the life of an animal or in pre uh, presenting housing or food or shelter for a family, the more successful they are, right? And that's what this metaphor does. So that what could the pictures be, right? They could be the pictures of the building uh, in a half-finished state um, turning into the finished building, Allison. Or it could be a picture of a child with an empty plate of food turning into a picture of a child with a full plate of food. Or it could be something as simple as a grayscale image of the picture that depicts a visual metaphor of the great work that the nonprofit does turning into a color version, okay? Could be sad to happy before to after. I think you get the idea. And everyone has this visual metaphor. They're just not used to using it in this powerful and new way. That's terrific. So let me ask you, one of the most powerful aspects of working in a social world and, and online in a social world is the ability of people to pass along appeals to their friends, right? The scalability of that. Do you have any insights for us as to what makes something more shareable as an appeal than others? Uh, certainly. So uh, video uh, in general um, is much more compelling from a sharing device. This is uh, you know the, the the evidence for this is the is the astronomic growth of YouTube, right? As as the vehicle for sharing, um, but frankly, um, one of the other things that we found is that if you can actually measure and reward the donor for sharing, uh, this is a very very compelling tool. So what I mean by that is, when somebody makes a gift, right now everybody thanks the donor, which they should do. But there is a huge opportunity, Allison, um, when the donor has just made the gift, because there's actually a scientific term for the state that they're in when they make the gift, and it's called the warm glow. Isn't that wonderful? Um, they've just done the great deed, right? They're, they're feeling wonderful about themselves. They've been philanthropic. And what you can actually do at that moment in time is you can tell the donor, hey, thanks for your gift. Did you know that you can have an exponentially larger impact than just the money that you gave? Why don't you click on this button here and see what would happen from an impact standpoint if you invited 10 or 20 or 100 of your friends to the campaign, okay? And, and they're into doing this now, right? Because they're in this condition of making the gift and, and feeling philanthropic. And you can actually show the donor, there's a technique that shows the donor the fact that they will add another 500 or 1500 or $2,000 in gifts if they take a few seconds to pass the campaign to their friends and family. So that's actually a technique that exists today. Uh, not too many people use it because it's brand new. And here's the math. Uh, it's been tested in 1,200 campaigns so far. And on average, 6% of the donors that give online are these ambassadors in waiting for every nonprofit. And we know that because that's the percentage of people who actually pass the campaign along in these 1,200 examples. And here's the beauty part. They raise an average of $2,100 each, and 76% of those donors are brand new, Allison. Oh, that's terrific. That's amazing. Yep. So, Rich, we're coming up to year-end fundraising. Can you give us a one, two, three simple tips? 
for nonprofits to incorporate into their year-end appeals? Yes, there there are three or four things that I'd like things to focus uh, folks to focus on. Um, a lot of the, the themes that we see for campaigns are much too general uh, to compel people to give. Right, so uh, nobody's going to give to. Uh, please uh, help us keep the lights on and the building warm, you know, for the winter, right? Um, we want to keep the campaign themes compelling. We want to keep them urgent and we want to keep them specific. So I, I would urge everyone to use a deadline. And I think the most important thing, and this is a big deal, is to think about how you want to make your campaigns specific so that people can feel like their gift is making a difference, right? That their 50 or 100 or $250 is helping a child, a family, an animal, uh, help provide housing. You know, they're really feeling like their gift is making an impact. And the scientific research, Allison, says that if you tell folks that their gift is going to help uh, a child like Malawi, um, uh, get housing, get food, uh, be able to become a literate citizen, um, get education, as opposed to helping a village or helping the three million people that are suffering. If you can make it specific, donors are much more likely to make the gift. So just just as a, a refresher, we want to talk about compelling, urgent, specific, and time-bound. And for Giving Tuesday and year-end, those are key. And And you don't have to worry about unspecified versus specified or undesignated versus designated giving, you can tell the donor that their gift will help um, people like this person, okay, uh, which makes them feel comfortable with the fact that their gift is making a real difference on a human level, um, but you don't necessarily have to make the gift a designation at that point. Right. This is terrific, Rich. I thank you so much for sharing your expertise and your advice with us. Thank you. Have a nice day. That's our podcast for this month. Please visit philanthropy.com for more resources and information. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back next month with a new edition of What's the Big Idea?